We're starting a brand new series this morning. I want you to grab your Bibles uh, and go to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to do something a little different. We don't always do this, but whenever we preach through a book of the Bible, uh, we like to just stand and read the text together. So if you will, grab your Bibles. If you don't have one and you're here in the room that's under the chair in front of you, you guys that are joining us online, grab a Bible. Everybody grab your Bible. Stand with me. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we're going to start there, which seems a little weird to start in chapter 2 before we start in chapter 1, um, but I, I think the Lord has a word for us this morning as we enter into uh, looking at this, this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And so uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to read this little text over us and pray, and then we'll, we'll dive in. 1 Corinthians 2, 1, and I, Paul, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Father, I ask that you take this letter, this book, this truth, and as starting this week and going for these next several weeks, God, would you anchor your truth in our hearts? Would you let us hear you and see you in ways that we've never heard or seen you before? And would you stir us up for all the things that you want to do in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. Um, <clears throat> cool, cool weekend this past weekend. Uh, my oldest daughter turned 13 years old. Pretty awesome. She is the best. We love her to death. Uh, but I remember, and I got permission to tell this story, I remember when she was one year old. And our family has been going to the beach uh, as long as I can remember. We, but we were in West Texas. So to go to the beach from West Texas is a colossal effort. And I know what you're thinking. Aren't there beaches in Texas? Kind of. They're kind of beaches, and we've been there, but uh, there's nothing like the sugar sand beaches over in Florida. For all you Floridians, there's your shout out, okay? So, but we've been, it's a 16-hour it's drive to get to at least, I think, 16 or 18-hour drive from West Texas to these Florida beaches. Uh, and so somehow, we were insane enough to try to do this when we had tiny children. Yeah, so she one and a half, one and a half years old. Was she one and a half? Is that what you're saying? Oh, we, we broke the trip in half, yeah. I mean, I wasn't a slave. I wasn't a taskmaster like, you kids, you will make it. Stop your crying. It, was, it wasn't like that. We got, we, so we hung out with grandma halfway through and then kept going. Okay, so... Uh, but one year, uh, we were going to go th with our whole family, and we, were gonna, we flew out. Luxury, all right? So we normally, the 16-hour drive, we were going to fly. But my daughter was one year old. And we became, in that one moment, on the flight from Dallas to Florida, we became that family. <laughs> and you know. And if you don't have... If you don't have children yet, you know, you know you've judged that family, all right? And the truth is, is you've probably had children, you, 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 you have children, and you've also judged that family too, all right? Because we were that family where we had the one-year-old who was inconsolable, could not. I mean, all the treats, candy, anything, it's like, 
what will it take to get you to not cry? And it was the, the answer was, in her one-year-old heart, nothing on this planet will satisfy me. And so we were that family. And so finally, uh, so I was like, you know, I gotta, I, we got to do something. And so I scooped her up and took her to the bathroom because an airplane bathroom is delicious. All right. And so we, we show up, I, I'm, I'm in there and I'm just holding her and I'm just rocking her and I'm just asking God for mercy. Just please, Lord, please. In this, and there's not much room to rock. It's like, eh, 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 eh. you know what I'm talking about, right? And we, I finally get her down and we're able to land and get through there. And I just remember thinking, we're never flying again. This is, ne this is never gonna happen again. And then, so you go from this moment, you go, and then you, and then you just start having different challenges that you guys that have had uh, parents, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. We all have relational challenges, but you have certainly understood this, that as you get further into parenting, the challenges change from the inconsolable one-year-old to now we're sitting across the table from a six-year-old and you become effectively a car salesman, which you're like, what's it gonna take to get you to have four more extra bites of chicken? What are we going to do here? There's a dessert over there. If you want that, you're going to have to eat the chicken. Okay? And then, you're, and then you're literally negotiating the size of the bites. That's not a bite. I said four more bites. That's not a bite. All right? That's, that's it. And then it just, it just continues, and you just, you're having to figure out different things. So, I mean, listen, hey, you can do the iron fist thing. I mean, some of you parents are like, yeah, well, do you really want to be the iron fist parent? Like, you're going to eat that chicken. You know, you don't want to be that, but you also don't want to be the parent that's like, okay, we'll just have milk duds. I mean, you can't, there's like a balance, right? We're all trying to navigate and find the right balance for doing this. It takes wisdom, and then, of course, you know, as they become teenagers, the negotiating is no longer, you know... Um, will you eat your chicken? The negotiation is, you know, when can I get Instagram? You know, and the answer is never, you know, <laughs> never. Instagram's the devil, you know, or whatever. No, and it's not, it's not because we all have it, right? But we're just trying to figure out when can you handle this thing? I don't know. So it doesn't matter. We all walk through life figuring out that there, there are all kinds of swings of the pendulum on how to do life, and we're trying to figure out the right way to do it. Everyone's looking for wisdom, how to navigate through all of these often weird and gray areas of life, and we have it in parenting, and we have it in marriage, and we have it in relationships, and roommates, and school, and bosses, and church, and all those kinds of things. We have it all the time, and as each day passes, as we look at the news, and we see what's going on in the world around us, what we feel deep down is that we need a wisdom that does not exist on this earth. That if we're going to be able to get through these days... No matter where, what the arena or what the place or what the circumstance is that we're facing, we need a wisdom that doesn't arise or doesn't, doesn't happen or doesn't spring up from this earth, but it comes from a different place. That's what's happening when we look at this letter to this church in Corinth. That's exactly what's going on. The Apostle Paul, let me just set it up for you. Around 51 or 52 AD, the Apostle Paul goes to Corinth and he stays for 18 months planting a church. 
Now, let me tell you exactly how long 18 months is in the life cycle of a church. It's nothing. We've been here for my wife and I, Megan, our, our family, we've been here four years. We feel like we're just getting started, just getting started. And they, Paul was there for 18 months establishing a church with a, a, a religion, a truth, a spirituality, a way of life that had never been heard in the history of mankind. And it was so upside down, nobody could even get their head around it. He was there for 18 months. And then he know, but he knows his call is to continue to go and plant churches. Well, three years later, Paul is in Ephesus. He's doing the same thing, planting the church there. And he gets word that this, this sweet church in Corinth is in shambles. And so he knows that they're struggling with all kinds of things. He finds out that there are those that are outside of the church and they're preaching a different gospel. They're trying to see a totally different way of seeing Jesus. And then he finds out that the church is then, in, those inside the church are struggling with divisions and they're arguing with each other and they can't get along. And then he finds out that, the, that they're actually struggling with severe sin issues. They're actually struggling with issues in some of the ways that that. The average person who was not a follower of Jesus wasn't struggling with sin. And he's seeing this broken church limping along, and he's, there's all these misunderstandings about marriage. There's misunderstandings about sexuality. There's misunderstandings about spiritual gifts. There's misunderstandings about the resurrection of Jesus and the core tenets of our faith, and it's a mess. The, the church is a mess, and the culture has almost no value for its teachings or its truths in any way. And all of that would feel really overwhelming, except for just as surely as I describe the church in Corinth to you, it feels a lot like the church in 2021. It feels a lot like the culture and moment that we find ourselves in, right? People trying to change the gospel in some way. That happened? Check. Divisions and anger within the church. Check. Sin issues in the church that rival some of the yucky stuff you see across the earth. Check. Struggles with issues of marriage and sexuality. Check. Misunderstandings about spiritual gifts and the power of the Spirit of God. Check. The church seeking to function in a culture that does not or no longer upholds its values. Check. This letter is as relevant today as it's ever been. And it's got a ton of practical application to how we go about handling and dealing with and speaking to all of these issues. And that's what we're gonna spend some time doing over the next few weeks. And I'm thankful for that, but there is one central theme that I think we're going to see Paul deliver to the church. And this is what we're gonna see, and we'll kind of unpack it here with this text. And we're gonna go as quick as we can because we're behind, as always, because worship's always so good, and prayer's so good, so thanks for messing things up, worship team. It's your fault, all right? <clears throat> Listen, here's what Paul wants to say. Listen, you can be locked down in fear for the chaos around you, or you can right now believe in a Father in heaven that is ready to call you up to higher and better. You can capitulate to the fear and the chaos going on, or you can come to a source that has higher and better, that knows things that you can't know, but has wisdom to give and to grant to every one of us. And he's calling us towards it. 
I've had moments in my life where I have had men and women call me up to better. My wife's done it many times. Call me up to more. And what you have here is a letter being written by an apostle who's looking at the church saying, there is more and there is better for you. I'm calling you towards it. You can give your heart over to all the other ideas and philosophies that are going on or the chaos that is ensuing, or you can take this moment, this hour, and believe that there is a father who has much better for you and he's asking you and he's inviting you into it. And so there is better for you. Church, go get it. That's what he's saying. First Corinthians chapter two, it's, uh, we, we just read that text. He says, listen, I didn't come to you with big demonstrations and great big words, but verse four but my, he says, my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but what? In demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith, hear this, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He's saying, here is my aim when I came to you and here's what I'm doing now. Do not let your faith rest in the wisdom of men. Don't let that sit on that. No, I want your faith to be anchored in the power of God. Believing the king of the universe is here and ready to meet with you. Don't want your faith resting in the words of great orators and scholars. No, why? Because if your faith can be moved by really cute and cunning words, then it can be shaken. If your faith can be built by cutesy words, then it can be shaken by the same. He's saying, I don't want that for you. I want you anchored in the power of a real and true God. It's an invitation into a connection and a relationship with God that the world had not known. And it's what he's beckoning us into. He says, I want to call you into deeper wisdom. I want your wisdom to be full of power. Do you understand that the church is meant to operate with a level of wisdom that comes and demonstrates power, that shows power to the world? Look at verse six. Yet among the mature, listen, we do impart wisdom. Although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it's written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything even the depths of God. It's time for the people of God to start accessing the power of heaven. That if we're gonna actually function in this life, and I've had a number of conversations with guys, people, gals in this room, those outside of this room, this is the moment and hour right now for the church to begin to function in the power of heaven for us to begin to be a people who get on our knees and begin to ask God for wisdom of the ages. To be able to have speech on our lips that is full of the Holy Spirit. That the conversations that are happening face-to-face and on social media and all over the place, there's a wisdom that's needed and necessary and the church is being called into it, a secret wisdom 
we had an opportunity to pray for Afghanistan. And I don't know about you, but I've just been sick to my stomach. And the truth is, it doesn't really even matter where you land politically. Everyone feels that sickness in them about what's happening. And I've just I've been in communication with just a couple of friends. I happen to have one of my, my, literally my best friend from high school. We ended up becoming a, a missionary in Afghanistan for a decade. So my wife and I spent the better part of a decade getting a monthly report on what God was doing in Afghanistan and praying for them and getting a heart and um, them building relationships and just hearing and texting with them and just getting reports and they're just saying, pray. I've, they're talking about literal people who they really, I mean, who they know their names and they, they think that this might be the last time they ever speak to them that they may lose their lives. You know what? They've got relationships with those that are not followers of Jesus, that are still fully Muslim, and they're Muslims that are reaching out to these brothers, and they're saying, would you pray for us? These Muslim brothers beseeching their Christian friends and saying, would you please pray for us? There's a wisdom that's needed and necessary, an understanding that we've got to begin to pray. Because the truth is that, like the Lord Jesus, some of them may see their end in crucifixion. It's heavy and it's weighty, and we can kind of pretend like it's not happening. But we felt that. My wife and I have sat on our porch, and we're watching our kids ride their bikes up and down the street. And there are little girls that are having to go into hiding right now. And it ought to just break our hearts. This is the kind of thing that ought to move us. And we say, God, we need a wisdom that the world doesn't understand. Lord, we need something to happen. We're asking for you to go and meet them in a way that no government official ever could. For us to remember something, and this is really hard, but it's really important for us to remember. Church, we're living for another day. If your hope is anchored in the governments of the world to get this thing figured out, you're going to be hoping in a weird way for a long time. If your hope is in a king who is able to deliver, to grant, hear this, for all that will call in his name, to grant eternal hope and life forever, no matter how hard it might get in this hour. Church, that's the this is the king that we serve. This is who we're meant to appeal to. This is the wisdom that's got to come forward. And we're meant to be, have it fully in us. When governments and philosophers and prognosticators fail, the father never fails. There's a secret wisdom that we, we who follow Jesus know that we're meant to share with the world. That we're living for another day. So here's my question. Where do you go when you need peace? Where do you go when you need peace? Everybody has something that they go to. You might go to a bar or you might just uh, binge shows so you don't have to think about what you don't have peace over. There are a lot of places we can run to to get peace. Some of us are at times, I think, hoping 
if my circumstances will just get okay, then I'll have peace. If, if all the things will line up, if I can get the financial things lined up and the job thing lined up and the kid thing lined up and the school thing lined up and the mask thing lined up and, the, and all of the things, if I can get those things all lined up, then, then I'll have peace. And so my fundamental question for every one of us is where do you run when you need peace? Because you know that you can't find it when you're looking for it in news reports. And you won't find it when you're finding out whatever your favorite celebrity is tweeting. And, and, and if I can be honest with you, if you're waiting from Sunday to Sunday to experience peace, hear this. Paul is looking at the church in Corinth and the Holy Spirit is looking today and saying, church, you, you can have peace right now. And it comes not from the wisdom of the world, but from the king of the universe. He's ready to meet with you now, to begin to grab your heart and meet with you. There's literally nothing that you and I are facing right now or our brothers and sisters in Haiti or Afghanistan that cannot be met with radical comfort and peace because the king of the universe is good and he's for us. He will meet with us in power. How do we know that? Because that's exactly what the word of God says. How do you know that God will meet us in wisdom and power? How do we know? 1 Corinthians 2, we keep going, verse 11. It says, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we've not received, hear this, you've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words. Hear this, church. Not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual, meaning to all who are opening their hearts and ears to receive from the Holy Spirit. They're getting it. It says the natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they're folly. They're foolish. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Verse 15, the, spirit, the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But here it is. But we have the mind of Christ. If you want wisdom and power and peace in this hour, it is readily available to you by the Holy Spirit He's ready to give it. He's ready to give power and wisdom and peace in a moment. And he's saying, because he's saying this, it's not going to come from what everyone else is saying. It's only going to come from the Holy Spirit. This is the only place in which you and I can actually find peace. Because the mind of Christ is yours. The mind of Christ is yours. You know, our, our minds and our hearts are being challenged at a rate that we have never seen in human history. I was just doing just a small bit of research because in our 24-7 news cycle, now with social media going on and the immediacy of being able to get news uh, at, at a moment's notice, I, just, I was doing a little uh, research and I, I came across an article in Time Magazine that was written at the beginning of 2018, so before the pandemic. And I just, I, I have a clip of it I just want to read to you because it's, challenging for what's happening in the world today. So the, the, the author of this, um, 
study says the way that news is presented and the way that we access news has changed significantly over the last 15 to 20 years, says Graham Davey, a professor at emeritus of psychology at Sussex University in the UK and editor-in-chief of the Journal of Experimental Psychopathology. These changes have often been detrimental to general mental health. Davey says today's news is increasingly visual and shocking and points to the inclusion of smartphone videos and audio clips as examples. These bystander captured media can be so intense that they can cause symptoms of acute stress like problems, sleeping, mood swings, or aggressive behavior, or even PTSD, he says. This is from gathering news all the time, constantly. Some of Davy's research has shown that negative TV news is a significant mood changer and that the moods it tends to produce are sadness and anxiety. Our, quote, our studies also showed that this change in mood exacerbates the viewer's own personal worries, even when those worries are not directly relevant to the news stories being broadcast. Yeah. Meaning, by just seeing the volume of all of the chaos going on it's pulling up our own anxieties. And Paul, the Holy Spirit, is looking at the church and saying, there is a different way to live this life. There's nothing wrong with gathering information from a news source. But if you're looking for peace and prosperity from the next good news story, I gotta be honest with you, it's not coming. You know why? Because can we just be honest? The news is out to sell news. And you know what sells? Fear. It sells fear. And I've been guilty as the next of one that's just constantly reading news. And while, again, I don't believe it's wrong to gather news, I'm thankful for information my, just my question for us as a people is, how can we be on the forefront of leading out in the wisdom that this world needs right now, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of chaos in the earth, if the king of the universe has the best ideas and the church is the, uh, 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 the vehicle by which the glory of God is to move across the earth, then how can we possibly be that voice if our lives are anchored in all the garbage that's going on and not being a people who spend time on our knees saying, God, would you show me the way? Lord, would you show me how I'm supposed to speak in this conversation with my son? Would you show me how to speak in this conversation with my coworker? Lord, how can I speak with your goodness and mercy with loved ones and those that I completely disagree with and those that are complete enemies of anything that I think is right and true. Lord, would you grant to the church wisdom in this hour to be able to believe you for great things? Would you grant us wisdom to be able to see change and transformation in a city? Because the truth is the point of the gospel going to Corinth or the point of the gospel going to Franklin is so that the world sees the glory of God and is transformed. Those cities are changed. And the truth is, is it feels like a big old elephant that you're trying to eat, right? Isn't that the saying? It's trying to like eat an elephant. Is that the saying? I'm sorry, that got weird. It's right, is that, you know, like, isn't that the saying? Like, you're looking at a problem and try, you're eating an elephant? 
You're just somebody, I've got one yep, and everybody else is like, what's wrong with you, pastor? One bite at a time. time, something like that. Thank you. Thank you. Just needed a fellow communicator to get that right. Sorry. Dude, that wasn't in the notes. I'm just going to backpedal here. All right. The problems can seem overwhelming. I felt that way looking at Afghanistan or looking at Haiti. I felt that way. I feel that way. And what do the feelings help us do? We can't repent for the feelings that we have when the feelings come up that what they do is they tell us what's actually going on down below. And what I often find is I think I feel like I've got to try to fix all the things when really what God's saying is, would you come to me? Because I can fix all the things. I have wisdom for you. I have wisdom for you, for your family, and for your issues and all the problems and all of the issues that are going on across all of the borders. I have life for all of these people. You know, God loves Afghanistan more than any I ever could or my buddy who was there for a decade ever could. He loves Haiti. He loves those people. He loves the people of America and all the craziness and all the politics. He loves those people and wants to bring them into his family. We're being invited to come up with the Lord and to have his mind and to walk in power. And I just feel the call, even personally, like, Lord, what level do I walk in where we, we look for pretty words when really we need to be asking for supernatural power? I, just, I honestly don't want to be a church that does pretty words. I want to be a church that is seeing God move in power and change the city. That's the call. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him or her, let them ask in faith with no doubting. So that's the call. Now you team, you guys can come up. We're going to finish out. That's the call. I want you to hear this. If you find yourself, listen, some of you find yourself in a place where you need wisdom right now. You don't know what the right way is. You get family situations, you get work situations, you get relationship situations, you got challenges. If I were just being honest with you, I mean, if we were just being honest, you go, the vast majority of us are facing some issues. We're not sure what the way through is. And the Lord's saying, if you'll ask me for wisdom without doubting, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to grant that to you. I want us to be a people who ask that, to, to come up with him and to get his mind and then begin to see all of the issues because all of the issues are there. You know, over the course of this series, we're gonna address divisions in the church and spiritual leadership and authority and issues of sexuality and marriage and singleness and spiritual gifts and overcoming temptation and the resurrection of Jesus. We're gonna talk about all these things. And we need godly wisdom for all of it because a lot of it's going to fly in the face of what the world says. So we got to learn how to navigate this together. We got to be a people who begin to ask that. And so God's inviting us into this kingdom to become sons and daughters who bring healing and hope with the wisdom that comes from him. And so you guys, will you stand with me? We're just going to appeal to the Lord of heaven right now. We're going to ask him to grant to us supernatural wisdom 
We're gonna appeal to the King of the universe who has everything to give to you in this moment, in this hour. Whatever you're worried about, wherever place of fear and anxiety might tend to sit and rest on you, he's ready to deliver his goodness. So will you ask the Lord for this as we sing this song, as we come and ask for King Jesus to come and meet us? Would you let this be your prayer? Would you lay those things before the Lord and just say, God, you can have all my fears, worries, and anxieties because I'm trusting you for wisdom in this season. Let's worship.